to another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's Sean, Tony, and Scott, as usual. Hello. And uh, we have a guest. Shocking to everybody that we have a guest, because we always <laughs> we have, have a guest. But we do have a guest today. It's a very special guest. They always are. Uh, I believe this is her fourth time on the podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Yes. Well, it would be um, three and a half. Half? Yeah, How we, did we do a half? We did a crossover episode. Yes. Uh, we did... Uh, this is Amanda Iman, by the way, oh, everybody, yeah. just so we know who the, <laughs> the objective voice is, from uh, Amanda's Picture Show Go-Go and Criterion Crack and various other uh, podcasts. Yep. I've got five of them now because wow. I have a problem. <laughs> no, that's a good problem you to have. You have a podcast problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first step to admitting you have a problem. <laughs> yes. Well, the first step to recovering is admitting you have a problem. Yes. It's, it's always yeah. a good thing, you know. I'm not quitting any of them, though. So. No. <laughs> but at least you're aware. At least yeah, you're yeah, aware. Yeah, I'm aware of it. No, but I believe it's Fantasia was first, then Holy Grail, Monty Python and Holy Grail. That's right. That and then, feels like forever ago. Yeah. Yes. And then we did the Last Jedi podcast as a joint effort between Amanda's Picture Show Go Go and Cinema Wheeler Tay. Mm-hmm. So this is four, I believe. Yeah. This, is, that sounds this right. would be the fourth. Yeah. Wow. Four-timer. That's right. A four-time. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's, I don't know how many people are in the four-time club at this point, but this Probably is good. Probably four. <laughs> four. Actually, I, probably Boosh. Yeah, yeah she has been on for a while. Yeah, she's a. I always enjoy timer. hearing her episodes. Yeah. She, yeah, she's, she's great. Mm-hmm. We go off the tracks on those. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I some... have learned so much about Philadelphia from those episodes, though. <laughs> which is appropriate. Oh my gosh, for today. We have oh, yeah, a Philadelphia expert yes. today. Yes, yes we, we do. do. Like, uh, that's a great segue because we are covering a movie that is undeniably Philadelphia based. You can't get around it. Philly is all over this this movie, <laughs> and including the title. It's the Philadelphia Story from 1940. Uh, and um, I'm, oddly enough, recently, because I'm glad we're covering this, because I've been on the strange Catherine Hepburn kick. Why is that strange? Yeah, there's well, nothing strange. strange about no, it's just, it, it's, I, I, I'm really falling in love with Catherine Hepburn, and it's also a problem. Like, you have a problem with podcasts, I don't have a problem right now with Catherine Do Hepburn. Do you think that she was rightfully banned from Hollywood? No, <laughs> no, no. I want to get into oh, that topic, we'll too. I, I can't wait to delve into that. But it's the Kappa Summer Movie Series is taking place as we're recording in Columbus, it's Ohio. In Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. it's 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 a very prominent uh, classic film. You know, I don't know if you'd say program, but it's it's kind of like a series that they yeah, takes place yeah, at no, the. Series. It's yeah. the longest running one in the country. It yeah. is. Uh, we've had Clark Wilson, who is a yes. prominent fixture He's on the that. Organist. Yes, on the podcast. In the Twilight Pleasure Dome. <laughs> <laughs> right, Twilight Pleasure. <laughs> so <laughs> they played. <laughs> If he ever writes a biography, it should be called that. Or yeah, it really Twilight that would, I agree wholeheartedly. If it isn't the title, we're and then going people to... not know what it means. Oh, like whenever I take somebody to the Kappa Summer movie series for the first time, I'm like, oh, just wait for the organ yes. and for right. Clark. That's exactly yeah. how I was when we saw Sabrina. Because Clark isn't just—it's not just that he's the organist, because that's a special talent in and of itself. But he looks like he should be on TCM, and he sounds like yes. a TCM guy. He does. He really is the voice of the summer movie movie series i mean he is he he's the the um um oh my goodness what what was the gentleman who was on tcm for the longest i was about to say he's the robert osborne of columbus yes that's his title as far as i'm concerned (laughs) um but they've been playing a lot of Catherine hepburn movies oddly enough philadelphia story is not one of them uh (laughs) But they played Bringing Up Baby, uh, which I'd love to cover on the podcast eventually. I would That's absolutely like my all-time favorite movie. It's becoming mine too. And Woman of the Year, 
which I would state is probably when people think of Katherine Hepburn, that's probably the role they would immediately think of of her persona because it's a really strong, independent woman. The ending could be problematic for that theory, but we'll get to that if I ever cover the movie. Yeah. (laughs) But Uh, they actually sell the Philadelphia story, bringing uh, bringing up baby and um, um, woman a year in like a package. And I don't own it. Yeah, you should own it. It's like 50 bucks for like five movies. Scott, I I wonder how Adam's rib was missing from that. I think Adam's rib is in that. Never mind. Desk set set is my favorite Pepper and Tracy I think I saw Adam's rib. Did I see desk set? I don't know. We saw desk set. Oh, we saw that. Okay. Okay. I've been recommended Stage Door. That's the other one I need to see, which I've heard is amazing. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. That one, I mean, that's not a, a Spencer Tracy one, but... No, no, but I guess it has Ginger Rogers and it Lucille does. Ball. It's uh, amazing. Ball. I saw it for the first time like last summer, and I was just like, how have I never seen Stage Door before? It's great. Okay, yeah. now the listeners cannot obviously see this, but I think it's really neat that the color of our microphones all match what we're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> okay, sorry. Scott did that intentionally. You know, we, we coordinated this before. A little inside baseball. Tony always has the mauve. I yeah, love <laughs> what it's I love. My signature cover. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is that we coordinated something that won't be seen by anybody I except know. us. <laughs> That's we what cameras are for, right? Put it on the yeah. Facebook page. We probably should. Um, but yeah, I, I, and the thing I, I've learned from this try is like this trifecta of Hepburn movies I've seen recently is she is becoming probably my, one of my, if not certainly one of my favorite actresses, if not my favorite actress. It's been that way for a while, but I'm kind of doing a rediscovery now of her. Now you see what I've been talking about all these years? No, I've known for a long time. Oh, you're, t- you're, you're confusing her with another Hepburn. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> saying it's both Hepburns. I mean, you can't right. go wrong if your last name's Hepburn. No, no. And they're not related at all, you know, no, oddly no, that's, enough. That's the most bizarre thing in the world. Oh, I still right. can't get over, like, it's, it's not like a common last name, and they're the two yeah. biggest stars of the first like 70 years of yeah yeah, that's just weird no as a kid that was something that was really hard for me to wrap my head around (laughs) is that like they weren't sisters i mean as an adult i'm Mm -hmm. like oh yeah that's easy like my maiden name is bailey we went to church with a whole other family named bailey and like none of us were related so it's like oh yeah that makes sense but as like a small child watching classic film i'm like but they're both named Hepburn. <laughs> like, there has to be a connection. I guarantee you the Hollywood agents or just the Hollywood studios, when Audrey Hepburn was coming up, I'm sure they weren't going out of their way to just, you know, to push that rumor aside as she's building yeah. herself up. Like, oh, we don't know for sure if she's related. I'm sure that happened, <laughs> knowing how they acted back then. Yeah, because uh, they would take last names of famous people. And it, yeah, you yeah. would, you would oh, take yeah. on, like, it's, it's not... Name. Like yeah. Tom Cruise. I think it's, Cruise is kind of in his name. I don't know. But, well, uh, Cary Grant's a stage name. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. Uh, Archibald, Archibald Leach. Which, oddly enough, was there was a tribute, and a great tribute to that name was in The Fish Called Wanda. That's John Cleese's name. Archie Archibald Leach? Archie Leach mm-hmm. in the movie. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean Judy Garland, Marilyn Monroe, neither yeah, one, none one of them. Yeah. That wasn't their name. Lauren Bacall. That's not her real name. What is Lauren Bacall's real name? I'm kind of curious. I think her real name is Elizabeth, and that's why a lot of people her friends oh. called her Betty. Mm. Oh. I, but I think Bacall might be her real last name. But they changed it instead of Betty Bacall. They changed it. <laughs> that sounds Which like a Paul Simon song. Her friends yeah. call her Betty. <laughs> 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 I'm 
Call then, me out. But Lauren, there was just <laughs> something unique about Lauren. It yeah. just seemed more mature and just different. Because there was already Betty Grable, and, you know, so mm-hmm. they wanted something that was... Not to get even further off topic, but... Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> but continue. It's, uh, around this time, like, I got into, like, a YouTube hole where I was watching, you know, that show, that old game show, What's My Line? What's, yeah, what's yeah. What's the line? Uh-huh. Where they try to guess people's uh, occupations. Then they have a celebrity oh. on, and they all wear um, blindfolds. Mm-hmm. And then they have, like, a panel... And uh, and it's just funny that like they'll have they had Lauren Bacall was on. Was she the, like the guest? Yeah, and they all like try to disguise their voice, but it's all the same voice. It's always like yeah, you know, like they all use <laughs> yeah. the same, this, this, yeah. you know, the disguise who they are. And but the people that ask the questions, they always like, do you have a movie in theaters? Are you part of the legitimate theater? Because <laughs> 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 he used to call the, yeah. the, the, the you know act like the plays legitimate theater, which is kind of funny. What's my line on YouTube? That's the ultimate rabbit hole because I'll go down that path several uh, times. Because they used to have like celebrities come on and they had a, yeah. like Scott was saying blindfolds, and you would mm-hmm. have people like like John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, all these uber famous people. Oh now, oh my gosh, why have yeah. I never watched? You yes. have to, you have to go down my that hole. Jimmy Stewart one. Uh, Woody Allen was on the panel, one of them. And Jane Fonda was the celebrity that came on, and she wrote her name Woody Allen. Because <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they sign in. They write it on yeah. the board. Oh, okay. And so another one was Desi Arnaz and uh, Lucy. Lucy were on together, yeah. which was – that was – I mean, you can only imagine mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. funny at the height of their yeah. – I'm glad um, you mentioned Jane Fonda because I'm going to bring her up later on in this podcast. <laughs> oh, well, that, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Kate Hipper and Jane Fonda stories are amazing. Uh, we're talking about the Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. on Golden Pond. Uh, no, we are, but we're going to tie into that because uh, when are we going to cover on Golden Pond? Oh, there is a mo- <laughs> there is a moment that ties in. I know exactly. It was on what Netflix the mo- for a while, anyway. Yeah. Well, what I do want to get with with Catherine Hepburn is is what's magnetic about her as a movie star, and I can't really quantify. Oh well, yeah, I mean she's she's amazing. But she was so ahead of her time. This is the movie, because at this point in her career, she was already established as a star. In the 30s. In the 30s, right? Like, what, 32, 33, I think, uh, she became, had a breakout performance. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was. But, like, she'd been in uh, Sylvia Scarlet with Cary Grant before, I think, in 1935. Mm -hmm. Like, she'd been in... uh, Little Women and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And so sh- she was huge until the box office poison yes. article. Which, when I read into that, like, I'm like, well, a lot of stars have slumps, but this seemed to be an uber famous slump in that period. People, it, it, to build it up, she already won an Oscar. She she had, she ultimately had four Oscars, but she won her first Oscar, like, in the 30s. I forget which movie. I think it was... Um, I'm not going to say it's Little Women. I probably should do research. I, <laughs> I can double check. I forgot to check which one she won for. But a lot of articles were being written because most of her films were flopping. She was at RKO Studios at the mm-hmm. time. And one of those movies was Bringing Up Baby, which was the biggest flop, which shocks us now because that's yeah, such a classic right. and so influential. But it was a flop. But I was reading the stories. People were The public was starting to turn away from her because the way she dressed – because she would wear pants. Absolutely. Well, don't you remember when we uh, toured Paramount Studios and we saw the little like private walkway that she had when Howard Hughes um, mm. was running the studio, and he made that private walkway for her because she wouldn't wear makeup or wouldn't you know would dress in pants and everything like that, and he yeah. didn't want people to see her until she was made up for the movies. 
Mm-hmm. So they had she had her own little private like room and walkway that was so remote from anybody else's that she could get in and out on her bike and go unnoticed. I mean, that says a lot. Yeah, oh, it does. Yeah. Like she she did not like interacting with the press. That was another knock mm-hmm. against her because she was very private and she would she be kind of short interviews. with the press. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which it, that's so just <laughs> like yeah. speaking of okay, you guys. Speaking of YouTube, you need to watch her interview on the Dick Cavett show. Oh, oh my I've God, seen it's it. Amazing. It's amazing. It's the best amazing. thing you've ever seen in your life. It's the, amazing. <laughs> this is second only to the Orson Welles interview on the Dick so Cavett show for me. Amazing like, how she's complaining about how ugly the set was, and it was because it was the seven. It was the seven. Oh yeah, yeah it looks horrible. But oh my God, and she wants to like staple the table down. And <laughs> she gives she, no fucks, and I love her totally, so much. Absolutely. That's another rabbit hole, the Dick Cavett rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> But oh. that particular, <laughs> yeah, that's that's is the best. that's amazing. Uh, it is a great interview. I, I highly recommend the Orson Welles interview on the Tick Gavit show too. By the way, that's mesmerizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> very very interesting man, Orson Welles. Um, but um, but yeah, those were a couple knocks against her. Essentially, what I'm gathering is she was this unique independent woman at a time when that was looked down upon oh, and yeah. in the studios I, th- I think there was an undercurrent of people did not want her in the in the industry to be that successful because she was someone she was extroverted independent outspoken outspoken although she did not like the press and she valued privacy that did not mean she was an introvert it just meant no, but she, she did not she want she was very she had her own opinion she had her own voice and she wasn't afraid to to share that where many women back then were mm-hmm. afraid. You know, she didn't walk in anybody's shadow. She stood on her own ground. And if she didn't want to do something, she didn't. If she did, she did. You know, she didn't, mm-hmm. she wasn't uh, a pushover. She wasn't a slave to the studio, which, yeah. uh, you know, every other actor at that time, including men, were. And she later in life also talked about how she was like fine, not ever having gotten married and having mm-hmm. kids because she was focused on her career. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like one of those ironies at the time is like, they wanted all these women in Hollywood to be focused on their career, but then they also wanted them to put on this show of, and I'm the homemaker and I do that. And like it, you know, just put on this, this front for the public and she wasn't going to do that. Uh, she was unapologetically herself. Mm-hmm. She was From start to finish. She was unapologetically herself, and in a, in a climate. And let's face it, the studios were horrible, especially the studio heads with women. Like, and this is just yeah. the tip of the iceberg. Catherine Hepburn can at least fend for herself. I won't go into the Judy Garland stuff with the yeah. Wizard of Oz or oh. anything. It's it's the studios ruined her life. They did. Um, yeah. But the big thing, like, like she bought out her RKO contract because she knew she was failing and she wanted to take control of her own career. It helps when you have Howard Hughes as your boyfriend. <laughs> I think she yeah. used Howard Hughes, like, she used Howard Hughes for what she want, which is the greatest thing in the world because he was he cycling her. through. He used yeah. so many exactly. Women. I, I know. love that Catherine Hepburn Just was like, him. "I'm going to use you as a bank account," and it was brilliant. I mean, it was. She brilliant. got rid of him as soon as she took off. So it's like, yeah. Well, yeah, there were some things with him not communicating. Yeah, right. and, oh yeah, he's, yeah. He's There's a, some great. Um, you must remember this episodes that yes, cover I've that stuff. To every single episode. Right. <laughs> favorite podcast. I I avoid the the Aviator for obvious. reasons. Reasons. <laughs> Did you guys know? I, I love the biggest I know, yeah. to I love. I love. I love Blanchett's performance. I absolutely love it. I'm glad she won an Oscar for it. It's amazing. And then I block out something. Somebody else is in the scenes with her, and I just 
ignore it. But no, <laughs> I sidetracked. But she bought out her RKO uh, contract, and she signed with MGM. It's funny, because I think RKO and MGM kind of, like, RKO was, like, the dominant studio, for, in my opinion, of the 30s. And then it switched over to MGM almost like because of 39, because yeah. of that yeah. one-two punch. Well, they had the Wizard of Oz. They had uh, Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And yeah. Well, <clears throat> Gone with the Wind is a little bit different because it had more to do with, like, distribution because it was more of a producer, like, an independent studio technically that produced Gone with the Wind. But that's yeah. a totally different podcast. There's <laughs> no, all they're... sorts of issues with that. We movie. haven't they're... done that movie yet. No, no. I, I've never probably seen it. it. <laughs> oh, Scott, I'll let you borrow it. Oh. I don't have eight hours. Of <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to say this, though. Gone with the Wind. three and there's an intermission. <laughs> it's, it's, you can't deny, though, like, Gone with the Wind is an important movie to discuss with any of this because it, it, it was like a time, it was like a suck. It was like a black hole in Hollywood yeah. during that time. Like, and they, it, well, everybody. the year before. Ho- Gone yeah. with the Wind was the renaissance for Hollywood. Yeah, it was. Every actress was considered for Scarlet, including mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn. But you know what David Selznick told her? What did he tell her? I can't imagine Brett, Brett Butler trying to s- sleep with you for tw- like for twelve years. Like yeah. I just can't see him savoring or or you know and clamoring the, yeah, for you. Selznick. The only reason Gone with the Wind was made was exactly. Selznick. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, yeah. So many directors in and out and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Including including the director that directed the Philadelphia Story, George, George Cooker, Cooper. who. I believe directed Willow Women and a lot of Hepburn films, like and another and yeah. and there's another Hepburn involved with George Cooker. Well, gee, who would that be? <laughs> which movie do you think that would be? <laughs> uh, which movie did George Cooker direct for uh, Audrey? It's it's a it's a big one. It's a big one. It's it's a big it's a big movie. Is yeah. It, um, hang on. I would say lavish, like big production, probably her biggest production. It's it's not My Fair Lady. Yeah. Really? Yeah. My Fair he Lady. He's known as a women's director because he works so well with lead actresses, and that's why he ended up directing uh, the Judy Garland A Star is Born because she said that he was one of the only directors that could like work well with her. Like he and I think it shows in the Philadelphia story, but a lot of the other movies that he worked on that like he was able to get really great performances out of some of, like, the best actresses of the time. And, yeah, so you have Catherine Hepburn in many of her performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Judy Garland in The Star is Born and Audrey and, and My Fair Lady. Those are huge mm-hmm. performances. Yeah, and don't forget The Women, which is just all amazing women <laughs> from 1939, another fantastic 1939 movie. And I think he, I, yeah, I, he was... such a tough year. Can you imagine at the Academy Awards oh that God, year? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, how do you even choose... Well, the rumor, too, is I think that George Cooker directed the bulk of Gone with the Wind. Like, all the best scenes in Gone with the Wind were directed by George Cooker, and then he got fired. I didn't really he gather. He clashed with um, Clark Gable. Yeah. Probably his halitosis. So that's why he <laughs> was... And they needed Clark, because he was Rip Butler. Yeah. And yeah. I hear his breath was really bad. He had, like, really bad halitosis. Because he had false teeth. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's it. You didn't know I knew that, <laughs> did you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the only piece of... Information I can bring to this podcast is that, <laughs> is that Clark it had nothing to do with the Philadelphia story, but he has bad. It's teeth. good to know, though. That's a good one to have in your back yeah. pocket. Um, That's the worst I thing am that great you great at trivia, folks. <laughs> that one in um, your back pocket. But uh, I think this was like a, a kind of a compensation package for Cooker because he was booted from Gone with the Wind to get the Philadelphia story with. Or Catherine Hepburn, I'm sure, helped him get there. Well, yeah. Catherine Hepburn bought the rights when she starred in this. It was a play, mm-hmm. and then she bought the film rights to put it on film. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any doubts that she probably sought George Cukor out. I would, I, oh, I yeah. don't know she for a fact, but I would assume 
There were some other directors that she looked at, I think, also. But, like, so it was really... We've talked about Katherine Hepburn being a really independent woman. With this movie, it's, like, crazy because she was like, sure, studio, I'll sell... You know, I'll let you have the rights to make this, but I get first refusal on who stars with me. I was just going to say, and I pick the stars. Yeah, Yeah, I pick the stars, I pick the director, I pick the writer, which they didn't let women do in the 40s. She ran the show, and that's one of my favorite aspects about this movie, and it shows. I mean, this movie is a woman's movie. It's just, I mean, men like it too, but but I think think it has a special way of of resonating with women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's told... In many ways, from the woman's perspective, I think there's still like wa- rewatching it today because I woke up early to watch it, so it was very fresh for me since mm-hmm. I watch movies constantly. And there's definitely some little problematic bits when it comes to sort of the role of women at different times, but it's still such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. you know, you have to consider the time. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I think sometimes people, when we watch movies from the 30s and 40s today everybody kind of has their hang-ups but it's like you have to understand the position and place back then for its time it's pretty ahead of its time, ahead of exactly. its time. Yeah. it's an ultra progressive yeah. movie yeah yes, time. Exactly. Um, i think they said like they had a lot of like these movies called remarriage movies where they could talk about divorce mm-hmm. as long mm-hmm. as the people remarry at the end mm-hmm. so which let's be honest in real life that like never happens. No. <laughs> That's so Hollywood. Unless, unless it's Cary Grant. Taylor. Listen, well, <laughs> if it's Cary Grant, I'm never divorcing the man. Okay. Well, I, I was even thinking it's like she marries. We'll, we'll get into the number one. I want to say about C-K this movie. <laughs> it's amazing. Also, from retrospect, I've been known to do a good Catherine Hepburn. The first time I came across this movie was on the AFI list. That's the first time mm. I had heard of it. And uh, what I was amazed by is like, wait a minute. Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, and Jimmy Stewart are in the same movie? Jesus Christ. I have to see this because that caught my attention. My mom told me this was like, like she always wanted to watch The Philadelphia Story. It was the one classic that eluded her because back then, like, and she was she grew, she was born in the 50s and then she started, you know, in the 70s and 80s when you play classic movies. That was the one movie she was never able to catch on TV was The Philadelphia I'm Story. I'm surprised your mom hadn't, like, grown up watching this. Well, time. yeah, she didn't see it until, like, the 80s or so, probably. Because oh, wow. it was on AMC when AMC was still, like, American movie yeah, classics yeah. and yeah. Uh, she deliberately stayed home to watch it and she loved it because she loved all three. She We had Cary Grant movies on all the time when we were kids. My mom oh, yeah. always had a Cary Grant movie on on TV. Does your, your mom like charades? Oh yeah, she loves charades. She loves uh she loves everything Cary Grant. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> See, that's why she does love charades. That's so a well. favorite. <laughs> she does love charades. Charade. Yeah. Uh but um I saw that at Kappa about 2 years ago. They played charades. Yeah. Oh, that's a great movie. But um so so she fell in love with it instantly, and she, and she loves anything from the 30s and 40s, especially Catherine Hepburn's one of her favorite actresses, too. And um, Your mom's so, favorite is Betty Davis. Oh, yeah. My mom's favorite is Betty Davis. I stand. I stand that's their ultimate favorite is <laughs> Betty Davis. Yeah. Uh, that's a great tie-in. I wanted to talk. The AFI, actually, 20 years ago, had a list of the greatest actors and actresses of the golden age, which mm-hmm. would probably be like from the, the silent era up to the 50s, probably late 50s. Yeah, probably late 50s, yeah, early 60s. In that area. Yeah. Um, Maybe ending at like 65. Yeah. Kind of, I think around the time the studio time. system yeah, fell exactly. apart. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how they broke it down. So the top five, I believe, for the women were, they broke it down between men and women in different categories. Mm-hmm. But Which is fair. Catherine Hepburn was number one. 
Betty Davis was number two. Audrey Hepburn was number three. I think Ingrid Bergman she was number up there, four. I would imagine, yeah. And I think it was uh, Gar- Garbo was five. Uh, I love Ingrid Bergman, by the way. That's I another airport. Oh, I love Ingrid And then the, on the guys list, it was Hump- Bogart was one. Cary Grant was two. Oh, Jimmy yeah. Stewart was three. Sounds about right. Brando was four. And uh, I think Henry Fonda was five. Okay, so I know this is off top off topic for a second no but you mentioned um bogey um humphrey bogart if you haven't watched the african queen Wait, recently yes, it was on netflix for a while i don't know if it still is it was i watched it like a month ago it was on amazon prime i don't know if it still is but man are katherine hepburn and humphrey like katherine hepburn just had this way right she was just amazing with every leading man sorry but just that's no, one that, classic that's eluded me was. i need to see the african yes. queen oh my, I, oh, I, and my parents again that's another one they brave about is like the african sean queen. will you come on my podcast and cover that because <laughs> yeah, i will, freaking please. love that movie i, I will I'll, I'll be the i'll do, <laughs> definitely do the african queen um but when i when you see that list so of the 10 there are three of those stars in this movie yeah. And uh, and I would say when I was watching it, I'm amazed because Cary Grant has probably the least colorful role mm-hmm. of in the movie. It's strange because Cary Grant's such a dynamic performer, and I I really love the comedic side of Cary Grant, where he goes into physical comedy and he's kind of the bumbler. I think Bringing a Baby is a classic example, or Arsenic and Old Lace, and His Girl Friday. Yes, and His Girl Girl Friday My too. Rosalind Russell. Yeah. Oh. Name. <laughs> Another remarriage comedy. That is. Same year, too. 1940. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently Grant took the role. I think he kind of knew it was the weakest of the, the leads as far as on the page. But he took it because he, as long as he got lead billing and he got like a kind of a hike in pay or something like that. Uh-huh, I read that. <laughs> He's like, sure, but I need to be top billed. And I'm sure Catherine Hepburn's like, fine, whatever. I get paid for all this other stuff. And I get to kiss you both. Sign me up. It kind of reminds me of the dynamic in Sabrina. Yes. William Holden, Humphrey Bogart, and Audrey. Oh, I know. Yeah, she has all the... Yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot like that. Um, and another great director, Billy Wilder. Yes. Um, Which we still need to do because Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, we, we do. We have not covered that. Yes. Mm. Yeah, we should definitely do that at some point. <laughs> you know. There's a ton of movies. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I've been... You know, I'll, I'll push for that ten times. Less uh, Spider-Man episodes. More... <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> Right. We haven't done the amazing. I, I think we should combine the two now at Sunset Boulevard. I'm going to do a Sunset Boulevard Spider Man podcast. I'm going to tie them both together. Sunset Spider Man. I'd like to see Bill Holden in a Spider Man movie. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. that would be um, <laughs> not a Spider Man, but oh, he'd be a great Jonah Jameson, I think. I'd cast him that role. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I digress. Um, but. Um, Cary Grant is very good. Like he has a lot of great quiet moments where you see, like, oh, this is an ingenious performer. But Jimmy Stewart is pretty amazing in this movie mm-hmm. of of the guys. You know, I'd say, yeah. and he won Best Actor. He did. It's his only the, the Oscar. Whole, the whole date scene with him and Catherine Hepburn around the pool. You know, whatever you want to call that scene. I mean, it's just so perfect. Oh yeah, it is. Oh, that. and the dialogue, the writing in this film. It's, it's phenomenal. So many awesome lines. I always liked um, when she says, um, the time to make up your mind about people is never. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite scene, and it reminds me of the scene in Caddyshack where Bill Murray and Chevy Chase come together is when <laughs> the drunken Jimmy Stewart goes over to Cary Grant's place. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just 
interviewing him uh-huh. as a drunk, and yeah. he plays the funniest drunk I've ever oh seen God. in my life. Like this. Well, don't forget Arthur. I, Oh, Ar- yeah, the second yeah, Arthur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is. I love right. when he shows up at the house, though, and he just keeps going, C.K. Dexter. <laughs> like, over and over. What's that? That's such a great name, C.K. Dexter. They make fun of it, how weird it is, too. Because she says it all the time. Dexter Haven. Yeah. yeah. And he says it all. What kind of name is Dexter Haven? Uh-huh. I love watching Jimmy Stewart get irritated in movies. Yeah. I don't know why, but anytime I see Jimmy Stewart in an... Well, in he's like that mantic... He, you know, he's like the female version of the manic pixie dream girl. He's like the manic cute hunk <laughs> guy, if that's a thing. Do you know what I mean? Wow. He's like that. No, equivalent. I know what you mean because he just comes in and he's all like, "I'm yeah. a writer. Look yeah. at me. I'm gonna fix it so you don't have to marry this dude that isn't so smart." Because everyone's like, "He's nice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like it when she calls him a snob. Yeah. It's like you're the worst kind there is. You're an intellectual snob. Yeah. What, what did she say? Up or lower my foot? So how she? <laughs> but she says up or lower my my ear or something. It was like some kind of uh, colloquialism back then. Or Speaking of dialogue, did you guys? I I I couldn't understand the jokes in in the uh, in, in the newspaper at the beginning when they kept doing, you know, <laughs> where that guy's like, I can see the headline now. You know, the Philadelphia story. You know, stop. <laughs> and then he says, uh, Jimmy Stewart replies. He's like. Unquote, quote, quote, unquote. They could do that in the beginning of it when he's talking about the, he's sending uh, Jimmy Stewart onto the, the assignment. The spy magazine. Guy. Yeah, the spy magazine editor. When they, the way they were talking is like, I don't understand these jokes, but I'm sure they're hilarious. It but, was probably in reference to just how non-factual those magazines yeah. were back mm-hmm. then, and it was probably like a kind of like a um, a parody on those what would be the equivalent of National Enquirer, and mm-hmm. those, you know. It, yeah, I think like today it would be like Us Magazine. That's what I was just going to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Back then it was called Look Magazine. It was like the... Well, it's called mm-hmm. Spy Magazine. That's hilarious. In the, in no, I met in real life. There was no, a magazine I, called Look, Look Magazine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was the gossip, you know, magazine. Of the day. Well, yeah. I think this, this is a parody of that. Exactly. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So that's kind of like an inside, I guess, maybe of its time. Well, I mean, this mean the quote on... I understood what the magazine is. It's the quote unquote like, jokes. It's like, my mind can't follow this. I don't... <laughs> 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 and I don't even know why they, they call it the Philadelphia Story. It's based in Philadelphia, but there's nothing Philadelphia about this movie. <laughs> like no. they don't, they don't. It's weird that way, but um, I think uh, it's because because of that line about like, oh, the Philadelphia story will be the name of like the article yeah. or whatever. And I think it's because of the whole high society thing of it, which the yes. musical remake is called High Society. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, okay. With Grace Kelly and Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. and Bing Crosby, but this is the far better totally. version. I mean, this yeah. really was, you know, the this is the epitome of the romantic comedy mm-hmm. of all time. I mean, this is like the epitome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And I, it sometimes gets I miscast as a screwball comedy. I don't yeah. really consider it that. Like bringing a baby, I know there's more of a manic bringing energy. A baby is more of a screwball. Idea. Yeah. Even his girl Friday has more. Oh of that yeah, his girl Friday is also. Mm-hmm. This is sharp and witty, but it's it's not. There are not a lot of physical comedy set pieces and and strange happenings. Like that's what I usually associate with that genre. Yeah, I mean, you do. One of the tenets of like a screwball comedy is like the fast witty dialogue, which mm-hmm. you do get in this movie. Yes, but Banter. not to the extent of like those other two that you mentioned. Yeah. Like and some of the other ones. I think that this one. 
balances more. And I think part of it is because it's based on a play. Yeah. yeah. It flows. It has a natural progression mm-hmm. like, a, like a play does. You know, you have your climactic second half. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and you have a lot of long scenes like a play Dialogue. would have. Yeah. yeah. Where it's just... It, it, it's very much a play, and it's cinematically it's filmed as a play. And it some is. people criticize, like I've heard some critiques of the movie saying it's not cinematic. Someone made a modern day cover for it. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that fabulous? Oh, we'll I have to share that. this yeah. on the Facebook. I yeah. like that. Um, the Facebook. The Facebook. I have an old vintage poster on my DVD copy, by the way. That's completely different. But I love vintage posters, so that's good. But um, what was I saying <laughs> at that point? I was... Um, Oh, so, some critiques of the movie have, have I've read say that it's not cinematic enough. Like it doesn't have those sharp contrasts of dark and light and crane shots. But back then in the '40s, the studios you were not going to get a lot of unless it was like an epic in the way I think like the year before, like we mentioned, Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And um, the Wizard of Oz. For these sorts of movies, you they weren't allowed to really like get the big crane shots and have such a dynamic camera. And I do think that Kukor, with like the limited technology and probably budget that he had on this movie, like he actually does a lot of good stuff, and he does keep the camera moving. It's mm-hmm. it's not just static, and then every it, because yes, it's a play, but it doesn't feel stagey to me in that way. No, like it doesn't feel like the camera yeah. just sits there and people walk on and off, and then the next scene, and the camera just sits there. Like he does move the camera around, and he he shows people's face and you know faces and he i don't know it's yeah and he was nominated for best director he yes didn't, he didn't win that year well it was tough year <laughs> well yeah, yeah. <laughs> rebecca was also well rebecca won best picture that year but oh uh, yeah it, that is interesting too because that's like hitchcock's jane Eyre, mm-hmm. like kind of vibe there mm-hmm. um that was like i think hitchcock's first hollywood picture right rebecca like his first um, fledged not i don't think it was exactly his first i did some research on this recently for for criterion crack but one of his first and it was the only hitchcock movie to ever win best picture and i think the only time he was nominated for best director which is insane yeah which is completely (laughs) insane but Um. no i mean this was another year that was just like packed full of like um grapes of wrath is what won for best director i forget who directed that off the top of my head? Right, but I think it was Henry John Ford directed that. I'm thinking offhand, but I, think I could be wrong. Something like that. But yeah. it was, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things that it's just like Tony was saying. It, you have to think of the time, and you have to mm-hmm. think of what sort of movie this is. Mm-hmm. For this being a romantic comedy, the camera's going to move differently than it would in an epic. Yeah, yeah. And, and I brought that. Yeah, com- exactly. <laughs> I brought that comment up because I, the, the critiques are the things I love about the movie. I love that it takes time to watch, focus on these characters interacting with each other and taking its time and letting it breathe. <laughs> and I don't think it ever feels like a play, even though it's based on a play. Some movies you could tell they're, even in modern times. Fences. Yes, mm-hmm. that you could tell. Or like are. Rope. Yes. Rope is a great example you can uh, tell as a play. Yeah, Rope. Yes. Yeah. Even, even though I love Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, it's still a movie I could tell is based on a play because everybody's mm-hmm. monologuing left and right, which yeah. you don't do in ordinary life. This never yeah. feels like that. This feels like things are happening mm-hmm. as they're occurring. Organically. Spontaneous. Yeah. yeah, you don't... Cause none of us like on our own just sit there by ourselves and then go on and on and talk out loud to ourselves like that just 
yeah, monologuing yeah. like that doesn't happen, and that right. doesn't happen in this movie. No, like, you really feel like you are in the in the in the few in the day or two prior to a wedding. There's a little bit of that chaos, that family dynamic, mm-hmm. the whole goofy business with the uncle and the father, and I mean, there, oh, you know, oh, it's me. just exactly. <laughs> there's just so much going on outside of the actual story. Um, it's uh, which I think makes it again more relative for people. You know, it's, it's it helps it flow a little bit easier, and I think people kind of gravitate towards it because there's a little bit of something for everybody mm-hmm. in this movie outside of you know there there are characters and other storylines happening outside of just the main three. Yeah, there's a sister. Yeah, a little Dinah. Yeah. <laughs> she's so cute. She is a uh, precocious. <laughs> I uh, yeah, she's she's very precocious. Um, I, I love. Um, I, I have to say, I love. The Catherine Hepburn character Tracy Lord. In oh, this of course. Movie. I mean, that's that's uh, he. She's amazing. Uh, I know it's based on an actual socialite that hung out in Philadelphia circles. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's it, they were saying it's amazing because she spurred on all of these things retroactively. Like the name Tracy became popular because of this mm-hmm. movie for for girls. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, it became very popular after 1940. Uh, won Jimmy Stewart his only Oscar. And made it re- re- reinvigorated Catherine Hepburn's career, made her a star again mm-hmm. after this. This yeah. is the movie that brought her back to box office prominence. You know, there are mo- like there are movies that that just have that magical effect, and it really is magic. It's it is a true, you know, melding of the gods. Everything, the stars align, and the actors are perfect. The dialogue is perfect. It's directed well. You know, there's just some movies just have that je ne sais quoi. And this is just one of those movies, kind of like All About Eve. Mm-hmm. You know, when you watch these movies, you're just like in wonderment. And, and, and it's, it's like watching, you know, Catherine Hepburn completely in her element. Mm-hmm. Same thing like yeah. watching Betty Davis and All About Eve. You feel like you're watching a part of them. There, there's, a, there's a sense of humanity that, that, that they're, so, they're so related to their characters. I mean, Catherine, it's no secret Catherine Hepburn came from a, an affluent family, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in New England, and was very much, in a way, Tracy Lord-esque. And so there's just... Uh, and I think what's great about, though, with Catherine Hepburn as an actress, though, is that she's self-aware enough to know that perception's there and play mm-hmm. off of that. And she almost yeah. can stand outside of herself mm-hmm. and, and parody that mm-hmm. aspect of her, that she came from an affluent family and she came from that that background. I think there's a quiet rebellion she had with that background, too, a little bit. Like oh, she absolutely. Liked to, you know, you know, stuff some needles into that balloon a little bit sometimes. <laughs> My favorite relationship in this movie, though, is Catherine Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart together. Mm-hmm. Like, I love watching them that together. That scene, in this movie. yeah, the pool scene. Yeah. I mean, that's just the best. Yeah, the whole. When I first saw this movie, I, I was actually, I was like in my early 20s when I first saw this. And I was like, oh, so she's going to end up with Jimmy Stewart now. Mm-hmm. And then she didn't. And at first, I was like, what? What's happening? What's going on here? Because <laughs> their chemistry is amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the, it is. This and they really has, connected that night, you know. Like. Well, this movie has weird relationships in it. Like Jimmy Stewart and, uh, what's it? What's her name? What's the her newspaper name? girl, yeah. I mean, you can't what really. What is her name? Ivy or something like that? Uh, Miss, she's great in this uh, She's great. She got what nominated. What is her name? Yeah, um, what's her name mm-hmm. in the movie? Is her name like Hussie? Elizabeth. Embry. Embry. Uh, Miss Ruth, Embry. Ruth yeah. Hussey is Ruth her <laughs> real name. Hussey. That's a horrible <laughs> thing. Whoa. You got your headphones and your house. Get Hussey on the set. Back then, that could have been. That's what every studio head was saying, you know. I mean, her name probably wasn't that. It was probably some studio that just 
calling for a Give random. Me, yeah. Well, it's funny because TCM. I watched this on TCM. They were playing it last Friday, and uh, it was mm-hmm. because they were doing a Ruth Hussey like marathon. And this is one of the movies that she was. It's a funny movie that like Why? this is one of her movies, but she got nominated for it. Um, but no one is associates the it. summer under the stars right. on TCM. So each day is dedicated. Yeah, to each it. day is dedicated. That's a great deep cut star too, right there. Yeah. Ruth Hussey. You would think who's the star? Because if you said summer under the stars, who do you think the star would be? It would be one of the big three. Oh yeah. You know, but uh, it, 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 it's the fourth bill on the. Uh, this is the weird thing. Like, and I, I, I love Cary Grant. I'd say like Cary Grant's performance is like fourth or fifth for me in this movie. Like it's not like on the top tier. He's the only lead that wasn't nominated, also. Yeah, because Catherine Hepburn was. We talked about Jimmy Stewart winning. Ruth Hussey was, but Cary Grant wasn't. No, and this is nothing against him. It has nothing to do with his talent or anything. I love Cary Grant. It's just that there's so many phenomenal performances that are just eye-opening. That <laughs> this you, you is know. the voice of doom calling. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many great lines, and then I love it when she's like, "Would you do a fa- Would you do a favor for me?" And he's like, "Anything." And she's like, "Get the heck out of here." <laughs> Yeah, she. Uh, that, you know, it's. I I really don't know what he was a drinker. I think that was a big thing. That was, was the alcoholic. problem, and she was very intolerant, just very in intolerant. her nature of anything, mm-hmm. not just the drinking. And he accused but. her of not being sympathetic to his mm-hmm. issues, and uh, I think Whoa. that's a. Yeah, you have no regard for human frailty. I always like that line. Then he throws her on the ground. That, that that's. <laughs> that I think is, that's the most problematic. But yeah, here's the thing I'll say: like, because Catherine Hepburn's such a physical actress, she probably loved doing that. Just to take, I like, think as you can an tell act- she revels in it. Yeah, that's actually true. Like that opening scene, she mm-hmm. taped it several times. She enjoyed it so much. Yeah, doing yeah. It. she pushed him initially, and he yeah. pushed her back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it they looks loved bad. It. Like it, it is a bad thing, but you, you could tell. Like if you know Catherine Hepburn, like she loves that kind of. Mm-hmm. I think it's just there's no the context is fun to do that as opposed to like it's not a dramatic moment where you know in a movie today if someone pushes you down it would be very dramatic and very they would like you know it's a comedic push yeah i mean it's not good that Mm -hmm. he's pushing her down and it's sort of a running joke of like oh don't say that he slapped her say that there was a scuffle you know things like that like the mother's always like oh say it this other way instead yeah but it's the way instead of an actual like slap or something it's that he like Touches the top of her head and just like <laughs> yeah. she just drops down like straight backwards like a deadfall kind of thing. It's, right. it's almost it's, like a big brother with a little sister. Yeah, you know, it's, it's that a, it's that it's that it shows their closeness. Yeah. You know, like that to for to be able like there are not many people I would ever let put their hand on my head and push me down in a playful way. But you did have anger I mean? though. That's like, the thing they were breaking up. That was the only thing. Like, well, yeah, that's yeah, when you do he a lot. Yeah. Moving out. Yeah, yeah, he was he was angry. But. Yeah, it's it's weird because I, I, I as a, from a comedic standpoint, from just a scene and a set piece, I love it, you know. But right. I can also understand the problematic implications of that. Like, don't emulate Cary Grant in this movie. Is basically the point when you're <laughs> yeah, breaking maybe, up. It. Maybe don't. Uh, but I love the back. I like. But what I did love about that story is like how. They loved working together, Hepburn and Grant, and they, mm-hmm. and they were so playful with each other. They loved. She taped that several times, and I, I think from maybe from her perspective, it's like I get to be a physical comedian, like a Groucho Marx or something, by doing this stuff. Because women weren't encouraged to do a lot of physical comedy back yeah. then, 
and here she she did well, it. And and I get to and I get to do it with two men who I really admire, respect, have fun with, and who are on my level. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. we're all just yeah. having fun in this together. I mean, can you imagine that would? It, I always say it's funny we, we talk that we've talked about my fair lady in this movie, and I've always said that my two dream roles ever would be Tracy Lord in Philadelphia Story yeah. and Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Mm-hmm. I would say, as someone who knows you, Which I think you're so Tracy different. Lord for sure. I could see you. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, so yeah. funny. It's, you it's, are Tracy Lord. It's, yeah, it's I am, and I say this with. Um, I hope humility. I hope it doesn't sound like arrogance or anything, but I feel I am a nice blend of the Hepburns. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, hey, they don't agree. No, they no, don't no. agree. I there was agree. that long pause. I know. I do too. Well, you I guys thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say more, but uh, no, that's. <laughs> I agree with that. No, because you had you're feisty. You, you're a fighter, but at the same time, you like the you're you got that charming like you know elegance. Yeah. And she can do the opening song of My Fair Lady <laughs> in a Cockney <laughs> accent. <laughs> can no, you do but a perfect I, I like, say uh, that. I say that, and and I don't like. I'm not trying to build myself up or anything, but I say it more as as I see why I gravitate. Those are my two favorite actresses. Yeah. And I think if you know me and you you've seen their movies, you know anything about them, I think it makes absolute sense that I would. And, but they're so different, mm-hmm. you know. But yet they they have this. Um, similar ability uh, aside from just talent and beauty and everything that they are they have this ability to connect with audiences and and um choose really great roles and just i you know i don't know everything about both hepburns i just i love you know it's i mean it's so hard for me to choose who would my favorite be i mean i probably have to side with audrey but yeah. just because i've loved her longer so there's a loyalty there, but that shocked everybody in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's shocking. I, I'm no. sorry, it was close. To be honest with you, I'm shocked <laughs> that there was actually a close, close tie there. No, uh, but then. but I, I love her. Like I, I've said this a million times, I love her in this movie. I, I think that there's something unique about her. I guess it's because she and Stewart never really worked much after this. That's just the only time I think they ever made a film together that I can think of offhand. That, yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of another one. I know this was the last movie that she did with Cary Grant. This yeah. was the fourth of movie that they did together. And they made a, they had a great run, too. And then she would transition mm-hmm. over to Spencer Tracy, who originally was considered for the Jimmy Stewart role oh, in wow. here. I couldn't see that. Yeah. I think you needed a younger guy in the, you know, like... That would be more an odd for... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be well, a little for immature. For the character, too. That's what I mean. he's supposed to be 30, and mm-hmm. he's all like... Uh, yes. I'm against the system. Yeah. I don't need a patron of the arts. And I'm like, dude, take the freaking money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Take the money. Live in the house. Yes. Take Put your idealism at the door, sir. You know, take yeah. the money. Yeah. Uh, I love that. That's what makes her intrigued by him is his poetry. Like she goes mm-hmm. to the library and looks up his poetry and that starts off the and whole. And the hat that she wears in that scene oh. is so ridiculous. Like why do you yeah. need a specific library hat? That looks... <laughs> because she's Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> it looks like a sleeping cap. I don't know. But I she love it. it. <laughs> I'm not one to comment on fashion and I'm not the last person who should, but I do love Catherine Hepburn's wardrobe. I mean, for oh, her, it's phenomenal. Like, she looks the, the, the evening gown dress is absolutely yeah. stunning. Yeah. The white and gold. Sparkles. Oh my goodness. And her hair, the way that it, 
that how perfectly it lays and just her chiseled face and when she I know this is now fashion corner <laughs> sorry <laughs> Sean but when she's getting ready to like get in the pool mm-hmm. and Dexter's like really laying into her about like being a goddess and she's pulling her hair up mm-hmm. it's like so effortless mm-hmm. but then it's like just in this perfect messy bun to like go under the swimming cap and I'm just like in awe and I'm like I can never pull that off but Catherine Hepburn is so beautiful they're just, yeah. just like effortless and it's and and I mean I'm sure like there's there's an edit there so somebody probably came and fixed it but the way that it just shows her pulling it up with like no big deal and mm-hmm. I don't know uh, the, her bathing suit also is amazing everything is stunning she is like in her prime in this movie in every single mm-hmm. way shape or form I mean if anybody if anyone says I don't know who Catherine Hepburn is they need to watch this movie I feel. Yeah. I mean, she's just so stunning. I mean, that dive that she does off the diving board, that she did. Yeah, that was... And that goes back to your on Golden Pond, Mm -hmm. because Jane Fonda was going to do a dive, and Mm -hmm. it has to do a dive in that movie, and they were going to have a stunt double, and Catherine Hepburn got on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She razzed her. Yes, that's very, very true. Apparently, Catherine Hepburn really didn't have a lot of respect for Jane Fonda. (laughs) Well, she said, when Jane Fonda worked on the set, uh, Catherine Hepburn, the first thing she said to her was, I don't like you. (laughs) And she said that because she was very competitive. She was just very competitive. I thought at first it was going to go into like maybe she had some issues with her politics and the Hanoi Jane. It had that nothing to do with that. It was just yeah. hear yeah. hear that. But it's I don't think that's true because the story she's telling like nobody would like she helped her out a lot in that set and consoled her a lot. It's like I don't think she disliked you at all because if you dislike somebody, you ignore them. You don't give them any advice. Yeah, because I've so. heard some Jane Fonda interviews where she's talked about things that Catherine Hepburn said to her on set, and I'm like, that just seems more like she's trying. I don't know, like like a grandmother. Or yeah, something. yeah, like yeah. A, a great aunt trying to like give you some advice but toughen you up at the same time. That's like super annoying when you're in the situation, but like because Jane Fonda probably, and this is you know mere speculation, but probably came off to Catherine Hepburn with her background and her perspective and her strong sense of character, I imagine that a Jane Fonda tape probably came off as like a spoiled little brat. Well, and I think, you also, know, I mean, she was born into everything she, and, well, you I know, mean, so it just, Catherine Hepburn not really life. though. She, she, Catherine Hepburn fostered her own career. She didn't have a famous dad and was born into it. And, and, and you have somebody yeah. like Jane Fonda that, that was so vocal about every, you know, I mean, she just was so out there always kind of, in everybody's face. I, I imagine that somebody like Katherine Hepburn, who was so private, was probably annoyed by a character like that. I think that she probably <clears throat> didn't like how much Jane Fonda would change her entire personality, depending on, like, that yeah. Too. What, yeah. Sta- who she was dating yeah. and what stage in her... I feel like that would rub Katherine Hepburn the wrong way, because no matter if she was dating Howard Hughes... Or secretly, not so secretly dating Spencer Tracy. She was still Catherine Hepburn. Like, she was still her own person, and she still... Absolutely. You know, whereas Jane Fonda did very much, like, depending on what decade it was and who she was marrying, she'd, like, complete... Mm -hmm. Like, or who she was dating, she'd completely change, like, from being super politically active and working to, like, be a movie producer and then going into, like, the exercise 80s and like yeah. ju- and then suddenly being really into capitalism like I think that would rub Catherine Hepburn well you know, don't you dare and, make another video also, <laughs> well love. you know and, and, and Jane Fonda I, I feel that they're from this is like a general perception you know it, she probably comes off or came off certainly as inconsistent but also as a little entitled 
you know, like well, I'm Henry Fonda's daughter. Like I, I'm, and I feel that somebody like Catherine Hepburn would have zero tolerance for that kind of attitude. Well, I would just say what I've read about with Jane Fonda and, and listened to an interview is like I don't think that Jane Fonda, like my impression is Jane Fonda was deeply insecure from what she said. Yeah. She did not have a strong sense of self. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she ever felt entitled because she had serious issues with her dad and her mom died. Well, her mom committed suicide. Her mom and, committed suicide, so yeah. she had a lot of issues going into it. No, but you can still have a sense of entitlement and it, that doesn't mean that it has to be arrogant. It could also mean, hey, I had a rough childhood and I'm the daughter of so-and-so and so I deserve to be here or I deserve this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's also a sense of entitlement too. Like... It's not yeah. just about being, I don't know, who, who would be a good example of somebody in the famous... Are you talking about like a Trump, maybe? <laughs> maybe? Maybe, maybe, maybe. There, there's different ways about it. Like I know there was competition with the Academy Awards, because after Catherine Hepburn won on the Golden Pond, she went... She, she, <laughs> She called Jane Fonda. It's like you can't catch me now. That's because she had to. Yeah, oh my god, I love it. Well, uh, to put the background into that too, like uh, she never attended the Academy Awards. Catherine ever. She She hated going to the awards ceremony. Jane Fonda had three at that point, and Catherine Hepburn had three. So I think they were tied. Yeah, because uh, Catherine Hepburn, I checked, she had won for Morning Glory, was the first one mm-hmm. um, in the 30s. And then back to back, she won for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner mm-hmm. and Lion in Winter. Mm-hmm. Lion in Winter, she tied with Barbara Streisand. Can you tell I like the Oscars? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, Are they your Super Bowl? But <laughs> uh, Just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and I know Jane Fonda had done a back to back with Clute and another one. Um, so it, it, you know, it was definitely one of those where I think the competition, I just based on what I've read about both women, I don't get the sense of entitlement thing. I think it's more of the, I'm a better actress and you're yeah. being insecure and you just need to buck up and deal with it. And I'm going to win this and you're not, what? even though I'm not going to show up to the ceremony. What? So, so she doesn't show up at the ceremony. Like Scott said, Jane Fonda got a phone call. She called her up to congratulate her. Because it was on Golden Pond, she won for, and she goes, "Hey, Catherine." She goes, "You'll never catch me now." <laughs> Only thing she said. I Jane love Fonda, it. I didn't know what she was. That the hell she was talking about. What, what is funny about Jane Fonda does not feel like a. In, in all respect to her, she does not feel like a three Academy Award actress. I agree. Like, and I, and I don't, and I'm not trying to bash on Jane Fonda. No. I'm just saying or when you think about Catherine she... Hepburn, the kind of character Catherine Hepburn yeah. is, and and you're looking across a, a, you know, a seat at somebody like Jane Fonda. I don't feel that Catherine would have a whole lot of respect. Well, Meryl Streep just only in, has like... Just initially. Well, that know, was a chilly yeah. relationship mm-hmm. I've heard between Meryl Streep and Catherine Hepburn because I guess Hepburn never went out of her way to talk about how good Meryl Streep was, but Betty Davis did. No, Meryl <laughs> Streep, part of her whole like wanting to be an actress was because of like Betty Davis. Oh, Sorry. okay. So my two favorite actresses are Catherine Hepburn and Meryl Streep. Right, right. So. That's awesome. <laughs> You have good taste, apparently, according to the the whole consensus. Um, it's just me, but uh, I like actors like Jimmy Stewart and mm-hmm. Gary Grant. And me too. <laughs> We're in a minority there. I know. We just want to make that clear. And Humphrey Bogart. That, that's an actor. And James Cagney. I like James, James Cagney. Cagney. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, um, but I, I think Catherine Hepburn. If we're going to pair like like. Jane Fonda, yeah, I, I get you get the sense like I don't want to make it too much on Jane Fonda in the Philadelphia story, yeah, but yeah. 
Um, well, it's kind of interesting. Another comparison is watching Catherine Hepburn at, in the Philadelphia Story versus Grace Kelly in High Society, which is the exact same role. Mm-hmm. And I love Grace Kelly. I, I and a lot of that is like she's a beautiful woman. <laughs> you know, that's a, I've heard you talk about it on the rear window. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I really do love Grace Kelly. But who is from Philadelphia? Yes, yeah, exactly. And here's the weird part: as am I, those <laughs> Philly social, girls. The, the, the social light that this was based on was from Philadelphia, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Grace Kelly was also born into the in Philadelphia and also came mm-hmm. from a wealthy, affluent yep. family. Mm-hmm. But she was not allowed into those groups, those clusters, mm-hmm. because she was Irish Catholic, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just insane when you think of the weird prejudices that kept like sort of upper class society intact. Yeah, uh, you had to be pure, um, but uh, I haven't seen High Society recently, and I've only seen it in snippets. And I love Grace Kelly, but it's a different movie, I'd say, a different mm-hmm. packaging than this. Yeah, I mean, because it has the whole musical thing, and there's also like Louis Armstrong is Louis Armstrong in the movie with yeah. his yeah. band, but like some of the set pieces are just like almost identical but colorized, like the whole bit with the true love the boat mm-hmm. in the pool and things mm-hmm. like that and all of the dialogue about her being a goddess and yeah. all of that stuff i i just think it works so much better in the philadelphia story absolutely yeah. and even if it were in color it would still be better you know it doesn't have to be black yeah. and white but and bing crosby is no cary grant even Hell though he wished no he was, he <laughs> i love his nice. listen i love his christmas album but <laughs> I like no. his uh, old King Winston sauce. So. Uh, he's, no. more, he's more comparable to Jimmy Stewart, act, actually, if you think about it. That's right, but better... he was playing like the Cary Grant role, and then you had Frank Sinatra in the Jimmy Stewart role, which actually is okay for mm-hmm. the most part. Like Frank Sinatra could do the but the three like, of them tougher guy. And... But would you ever see Grace Kelly realistically with either of those two? Frank, because he was hot shit and had beautiful blue eyes. I also really love Frank Sinatra. But I, you know, Chris I'm just Kelly saying, Crosby, like, mm. that's what I'm saying. I but Catherine, Jimmy Stewart and, Cat- and Grace well, Crowley, Catherine actually, Hep- That's my well, favorite pairing. Yeah. Catherine Hepburn, though, I mean, you believe that she could go with either one of those men. Yeah. I mean, she's yeah, a great yeah. pair. And that's what I mean. I, you know, it's, I have the same beef with Sabrina, which is a movie I love. It's just not believable to me that Audrey would go with Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. And it's not just Humphrey Bogart. It's the character. It's the, yeah. it's the way it was done. It's just not Humphrey Bogart believable. doesn't even believe it at the like, end. They hug know, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I love you know, those two together. Maybe not as a romantic pairing, but I love that scene on the boat and Sabrina when they're together and bonding. When they're talking. Yeah. And I think, like, and this is weird I'm doing it because I know we've covered the movie before, but I, I love that scene because I think it sums up both stars' personas beautifully. With Audrey Hepburn being the star-eyed, romantic, and the dream, she's like the original manic pixie dream girl in a way. Like I think she's mm-hmm. almost the prototype in her in most of her classic roles. And in having Bogart respond with that old-school jaded romanticism of Casablanca coming into pair when he's giving mm-hmm. her advice on life, and I thought, wow, yeah. that's just a beautiful pairing of the two. But I don't need it to be a romantic exactly. pairing. I just need it to exactly. be a pairing. And I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's such a thing. As like men and women who can be friends without any romance. Yeah. I know. What? <laughs> what? And that's like Jimmy Stewart and Catherine Hepburn in this. I mean, they do have some chemistry, but 
they they bond mm-hmm. and um she's more real with him yeah. than she ever was with ck dexter haven yeah and i always like the part when he's then when he starts getting you know starry-eyed which is probably mostly let's face it the alcohol talk and i mean yeah yes he, i'm sure he's very physically attracted to her who wouldn't be but then he starts going on and on about how wonderful she is and all that and she's like no 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 and then and then he's talking about how he wants to worship her and then she gets real serious and says i don't want to be worshipped i want to be loved yeah you know and um i just thought that was kind of like really beautiful well i think the reason that cary grant ends up with her in the end is because he's the one who can call her on her bullshit he loves her exactly <laughs> yeah, he's the one that actually loves her yeah. for her you know not not the 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 goddess or the image you know i mean i mean jimmy stewart really only knew her as he had already put her on a pedestal oh right. yeah you he know did. and but cary grant knew her as the the bratty little whiny, whatever, mm-hmm. all the descriptions that he had about her in the beginning, like he knew her. <laughs> I do love it. The end though, it's like Jimmy Stewart's like, well, why, why can't this happen? She's like, well, uh, you don't really love me and it's good for you. And I'm looking at Jimmy Stewart like, no, that's not the case at all. I still love you. The thing <laughs> I no, do but she's, like, she says yeah. Liz wouldn't right. like it. Yeah. And because yeah. Liz I, wouldn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. like that moment because it's, it's, I don't think she actually wants to marry Jimmy Stewart. Like they had no. great chemistry for one night. Yeah, when they were both drunk. Trash. Totally. We all had chemistry. That's with what I'm saying. Drunk. Totally. We've exactly. all had those intimate. When I say intimate, I don't mean sex, but I mean where you open up to someone, and then you know it's a great. It is what it is, and that's that, right? But it doesn't mean that in sober life, yeah. it's going to work out. Well, and it, yeah, I mean. The, I've yeah. kissed plenty of dudes drunk that I wasn't going to kiss if I wasn't. So I flirted before, you know, I mean, you, you know, you do like you, there, there's an inhibition, you know, hence why it's called libation, you yeah, know, so it, it, pretty much, you know, liquid courage, I like to say, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I do. I, this line is, is cute and I always liked it too. And she, at the very end when she's like, I've made a terrible fool of myself, which isn't unusual. <laughs> that is a great <laughs> line. Like what, what do you feel about the guy that she's going to marry? I oh, he's a, bad. Dud. Oh. he's a he's dud. He's a dud. He is a dud, but I feel kind of bad for him. But I he... don't because he's super judgmental. Totally. Oh, okay. Yeah, he wouldn't let her drink. Remember, he's like, D- "Tell oh, me, yeah. you'll never we, do we that can again." Get married if you promise to never drink ever again. And like, she's like, "Which is what she was doing at DK Dexter Haven." But he had an issue. Well, the interesting thing—he had an actual problem. Yeah. The interesting thing that I always thought was really beautiful and and funny, and also I, maybe even a little ironic, or or. Not ironic, but it was a great. It showed a moment of growth for Catherine Hepburn, and I and I thought it was really beautiful for her character, for Tracy, and when she's talking with Jimmy Stewart's character, and he is, I, he may say something slightly judgmental, and then she says the same speech that Cary Grant says mm-hmm. to her about the human frailty, and then she stops, mm-hmm. and I think that's when she realizes, um, and I. Th- I think Bill where Nick- Cary Grant is coming from, and I think she yeah. feels for the first time she can sympathize with him and and really understand. I think him. it's her realizing that she's been horribly judged. That's what I mean. That's herself. exactly what I mean. And yeah, I think that's why you know I think you're right, Scott. That there is the double standard of like she was telling mm-hmm. Dexter that he couldn't drink, and then when she has George doing it, she's like, okay, maybe like mm-hmm. I do think. I mean. I think Dexter realized he had a drinking problem and she took care of that himself, Mm -hmm. which is often the case. Like you have to do it for yourself, not for somebody else. And I think she starts to realize in like that moment with Jimmy Stewart and then with George telling her not to drink, it's like, I'm growing as a person and I'm like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm not going to, 
I also don't want to marry someone like that. Yes, because I was like that. It's that it's that realization of, of being able to truly understand a person and a circumstance. Mm-hmm. And it's that aha kind of moment. And I always thought that that was really beautiful when she says even the exact wording as, you know, you have no regard for human frailty. And then like quickly stops. And she's like. I get it now. And yeah. I think that's when she starts calling him professor. Yes. She's like trying oh, to yeah. Yes. Like yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Them. Yes. Well, I like with, with uh, George, uh, the, the, her supposed future husband. I like the, the Fiance. choices. There's a word for it. Yes, yeah. Is <laughs> 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 she called future husband? Yeah. Huh? Former. the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Future, future, has, future wife. You're my future wife. <laughs> <laughs> I think they say something like that in this movie, Future oh Husband. God. Yeah, they, they say, well, well, he's a fiancé, but then he's Lisa! The <laughs> but, but what I love, though, is their choices are, from, from, from an observer's perspective, the choices are what many regard as the most handsome man and charming man who ever lived, Mr. Americana and Cliff Clavin's great-grandfathers <laughs> from Cheers, because he looks just like John Ratzenberg. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those are her three choices. So, like, yeah. Two of the biggest stars in the world in this guy. I thought you called Miss Cary Grant Mr. Americana. That's, That's what exactly I thought you what I was called. referring to. He's not no, from America, though. He's not Cary American. Grant, <laughs> I was like, that's a clear trajectory. <laughs> I thought you were saying all three adjectives about Cary Grant that you look like. No, Cliff. they were all applied to I, Cary they, Grant. I thought so too. Sabrina's out. <laughs> they all apply to Cary Grant. All of the above. <laughs> I thought so too, Sean, because <laughs> he's Mr. Did... Americana because he's British. Yes. And also, <laughs> and also the fact that he's Cliff Clavin. And I see a clear oh trajectory. Oh my god, is this like an introduction? Is he going to come out any no, moment now? No, no. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's the best description of Cary Grant. Grant. That, I want that on the tube. So whenever Cary Grant comes out, I wanted, like, this is Cliff Clayman's great grandfather. <laughs> if you watch John Ratzenberger on Cheers and then you watch Cary Grant, and if you don't see the, cl- <laughs> the correlation there, I have nothing nothing for you. Not Ted Danson, no. It's Sean Ransenberg and George Wentz. Those are the two guys I see with Cary Grant. Listen, <laughs> when I am watching... It's not Ted Danson at all. I don't see it. I, I, I see the George guys put Ted Danson. That's, that's uh, the parallel. Do you have a pause button? No. I'm going to keep going on this one. That's amazing. I see Frasier, too. Oh a little bit of Frasier. stand-up time. Right. Now, I can actually... I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. I can see a little bit of Kelsey Grammer in Jimmy Stewart's character. Yeah, that's, sure. a, that's a fair comparison. I think yeah. Kelsey Grammer yeah. probably has learned from Cary Grant, yeah. for sure. I know Jack Benny was a big No, 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 no. Jimmy Stewart's character in this movie. Is Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, I can see the coral. I can see the similarities of the person. Like, I can, I can see if they were to make some kind of modern-day remake and Kelsey Grammer were cast as the Jimmy Stewart character, I think it could sell. And clearly, Shelley Long and Catherine Hepburn as yeah. a clear... <laughs> You know, uh, actually, that is. That's actually a legit... No, but I mean, he's got that mantic kind of, you know, like... Um, uh, how am I, how can like I describe it? Kind of, yeah, yeah, where, where you can just see him kind of like, you know, that, yeah, yeah, like Jimmy Stewart, he, he's got that thing about him. Oh, flustered, like he gets yes, flustered. Yeah, I love yeah, yeah. Jimmy Stewart he's got gets that, flustered. exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could buy that. That's yeah. awesome. When you ever see Jimmy Stewart flustered, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, Jimmy. And it's funny because Cary Grant keeps up with Catherine Hepburn, like on like rat a tat tat, like dialogue. Mm-hmm. But, but Jimmy Stewart just kind of does it. His still talks to her in the same way, and she kind of goes to his level mm-hmm. when she talks to him. It's kind of funny because when she's with Cary Grant, it's like bam, 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 bam. Mm-hmm. And then when she's with Jimmy Stewart, it's they slow down. It's more kind of 
she kind of goes to his. She's like, kind of she flirting with him, yeah. and yeah, it's kind of interesting that. Yeah, like that one line. Come, he's like, I can't believe you're getting married tomorrow, and she's like, Come around about noon tomorrow. I mean today, you know. <laughs> she just like slows down. Yeah. Yeah, she's good because mm-hmm. she could do both. She's really good at both. Like when she's like bring that baby, she goes fast and slow. She mm-hmm. changes up to Cary Grant is this. He's this quick. Like that's his. That's his yeah. thing. That's what he wanted to do. Is I feel he, like he, when you think of like that '30s voice, I'm like, yeah, da da da. da. See, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a, it, you instantly think of like Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Yeah. He's the best at it. Like he's, mm-hmm. yeah. and it sounds natural. It doesn't sound forced. True. And she the, could do it. I love the Edward G. Robinson kind of '30s yeah. voice too. Like I'm gonna get to the gangster voice. Yeah, the gangster voice. Yeah, he, the, yeah. Edward G. Robinson is like the gangster '30s voice. Yeah. And then Cary Grant is like the the suave. 30s voice. Oh, and I know that uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman is based, his Clark Kent is clearly uh, Cary Grant from Bringing Up Baby. I've heard that many times too. Like, that was oh, correct. that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. He based it off of uh, Cary Grant. The perfect choice for that too. Is yeah. this, this is like the, where the older Cary Grant character kind of came in, right? Like, he wasn't playing. What do you mean the older Cary Grant? Well, he's just playing like, you know, this kind of like the... Well, that would the be more, charade. The more suave and serious <laughs> Or the more type. like, oh, uh, this isn't... Yeah, like, he's serious, but he's always like... Like the Hitchcock Cary Grant. Yeah, it's just like, oh, what's going on? Like, he's just taking it in stride, these huge things. There might have been rules prior to this where he was... But he would go back and forth between, mm-hmm. like, yeah. the more debonair, dashing lead or the mysteriously, like, in the Hitchcock, the 40s Hitchcock. And he would go into the bumbling, comedic Cary Grant. Like, I think there was a movie he made with Shirley, Shirley Temple where he was she was a teenager... The, bo- a, uh, yeah. the boxer and the Bobby Sox. Yeah, that's or, more in no, line. No, 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 the bachelor and the Bobby Sox. Yeah, and I think that's more in line with bringing up Baby and those those mm-hmm. kind of roles. The I like bachelor what, yeah. and the Bobby Sox are fantastic. And Arsenal, well, Lace, that's where he goes all out. Like, that's Cary Grant on Acid performance. It's great. <laughs> well, he, he loved Acid in real life. Oh, he did. Yeah, he was the first person. <laughs> he to liked take LSD. 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 There's yeah. a difference. No, it's the same thing. <laughs> no, it's the same thing. Is it? Yeah, yeah. LSD. Oh, it just LSD sounds better as LSD. No, you're right. It's the same drug. No, Tony, you're absolutely right. He's on LSD. Other people are on acid. Yeah. Right. Because uh, Cary Grant, Cary Grant is, is too classy yes, to exactly, take LSD. Exactly, exactly. Right? No, he's to too classy acid. to take acid. He's, right. He's on but, LSD. Yeah, the Beatles did acid, guys. <laughs> exactly. Cary Grant, Grant so did LSD. Took, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He yeah did. I just heard an interview with somebody talking about getting um, some... LSD for Groucho Marx and having an evening with him. <laughs> that that's amazing in and of itself. Yeah, I would. It pay, was a really awesome a, interview. <laughs> he was also great friends with Alice Cooper, Groucho Marx. They bought Paul and Linda McCartney a bed together. That's how close <laughs> they were, and they were golfing buddies. That seems like an odd gift to give your friends. Hey, a here's bed. a bed. <laughs> well, they were couples. <laughs> Groucho being Groucho was probably the perfect gift. For <laughs> Go men. have fun. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, with with Cary Grant, like I think the quintessential Cary Grant role is North by Northwest, where both yes, sides of his persona were combined into one. He got to do the physical comedy, but also got to be and the he, and he got to do the bantering. Like I liked the whole the whole speech about you know I've got a bartender, an ex wife, such and such that depend on me. You know <laughs> that whole little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the perfect yeah. gateway drug into Cary Grant is North by Northwest because you get all sides of Cary Grant. Like you want to show people why he's a legend. That's a perfect performance to show them and to get them in everything else. I think. Try to remember what is the first movie I ever saw Cary Grant in. It might have been To Catch a Thief. That's a good one. That's a very good pick. I always laugh at that movie because it's so weird seeing him as like a thief. I know. Because Cary Grant, like, his in all his movies, no matter what job he is, his job is just being a Cary Grant. Because, like, 
every job seems like weird with him. Like to see him working. Have you ever seen Father Goose? No. No. Oh my God. Okay, it's Cary Grant and Leslie Caron. I would love to watch it with you guys sometime. It is the epitome of Cary Grant being a slob. <laughs> cool. Like he's this total slob. It takes place in the, it, I think it was made in like the sixties, but it takes place in like the 1940s. But it's, it's where he gets to be very, very loose. And Leslie Caron is like the uptight and it's a, I don't want to give too much away. No, no, it's, no. I grew up on it. I love it. Like that and um, Operation Petticoat. But I know he started out with Mae West as like a side person oh, to Mae yeah. West. And I, I, I listened yeah. to a, a scene between Mae West and Carrie. And it was amazing listening to those two go back and forth. Listen, Mae West is absolutely phenomenal. She is. There's a video on YouTube. It's like the best of Mae West. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, just her one liners and and just the whole way she carried herself. I mean, you want to talk about another woman who was way ahead of her time and yeah. in charge. And then phenomenal, exactly, exactly. But she's she is a dynamo. I absolutely love Mae West. So overall, how do you guys feel after seeing the movie? Does it, the, obviously, I think we all think it's pretty great. But how would you sum up your feelings on on the movie after revisiting it for the podcast? Y'all yeah, start with Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you'll have to edit out a weird no, pause. Yeah. No, that is <laughs> awesome. Um, oh, we leave them all in. <laughs> that, that was a good one, too. We I want everyone that. to feel awkward for us when they're <laughs> listening to the podcast. So I mentioned at the beginning, like, I do think there are a couple things watching it in the 2019 lens where it doesn't hold up quite as much as it has for me in the past. And, I mean, we mentioned, like, the whole, like, him shoving her down. But I think it's also the whole idea that, like, I'm fine that Tracy has character growth. But it's always the men who are telling her, you're a frigid bitch, basically. Yeah. And at no point do, like, her mom or sister, like, her mom's a little bit like, oh, Tracy, you don't understand marriage. But, like, her husband's straight up cheating on her. And, like, that's a whole other issue when he, and i think that the part that bothered me the most was when her father seth lord comes back and he's basically like the reason i had to cheat on your mom is because you weren't a sweet daughter with me and that just like rubbed me the wrong way so hard watching it this yeah. time because he, you know he's like if you'd been sweet with me i wouldn't have had to run off and uh, cheat on your mom with this young girl who would make me feel young. And I'm just like, no, that's not how it works. Oh, the you, remake would have, he's an asshole. You basically. just <laughs> don't be a jerk yeah. and stay faithful to your wife. And and so it was just, I mean, it's definitely something from the 1940s culturally at that point in time. That mm. it's like, instead of him having to change like his behavior, or like most of the men having to change their behavior... Tracy's supposed to change hers. Yeah. And I do think it, you, it, it balances a little bit with Dexter because he does go and like stop drinking and he has tried to adjust and realizes he made some mistakes in the marriage too, even though he doesn't like say it out loud, which I think might be a little different if they like updated it for today. But overall, I mean, with those little issues aside, I still really enjoy the movie. The like we've talked about, the banter is great. The dialogue, 
like one of my favorite lines is when like Dexter first shows up and she, and she's like, "You haven't by chance switched from liquor to dope, have you, Dexter?" <laughs> like, and I also love that. Like, I feel like Catherine Hepburn gets to be really funny in this movie when Jimmy Stewart's bringing her back and she goes. Hello, Dexter. Mm-hmm. Hello, George. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. Hello, Mikey. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. There's little moments like that that I think are brilliant. And overall, I still really love this movie. I just think gender politics in 1940 <laughs> were a little bit different. Yes. Wait till you see Woman of the Year. <laughs> the oh, ending. I have. Uh, the ending is, although I love, the, uh, I'll say I love the, the set piece prior to the ending is amazing. So I'll just say yeah. that for a teaser for people for that movie. Uh, Scott? Yeah, yeah, I like I, I like the movie. Um, I will say, though, I, I think I like uh, all the three main characters. There's other movies I like uh, better than this because mm-hmm. I think that, it, uh, like Jimmy Stewart, um, you know, I think it has a, him and Catherine Hepburn, I think, are the two main um, but bringing up baby, I like, I like as far as like Catherine Hepburn and comedy with, with Cary Grant, but this movie is very good. Um, I had trouble keeping up with a lot of the dialogue, <laughs> personally, and that's just my, my issue. Um, cause some of it was really fast and very highbrow. I mean, this movie is very, uh, yes. it was definitely a play, but it was like a lot of like, man, that's, you know, it, it, it's so well written that sometimes it, it was hard to keep up. Uh, but the scene with Cary Grant and and Jim James Stewart and and the uh, at his house where he's just like questioning him. I love that scene, and I love the scene with the drunken scene with. I mean, that whole sequence is mm-hmm. probably my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a fun movie, and and, and uh, um, yeah, I would definitely. It's definitely. It's a quintessential movie just to see all three of those people in it. You know, mm-hmm. to. Um, you just have to, if you have any any fan of movies, you have to see all three of those people act together because it's it's amazing. And of course, Tony. <laughs> well, I I mean, of course, I love the movie. You know, it has three of my favorite actors mm-hmm. in it. It's just kind of like one of those feel good movies. It's a fluff movie. You know, um, you might learn a little bit. Uh, you might learn a little about yourself, which I think is always great when you watch a movie. You um, are entertained. It's fun. It's a really good ride. Um, it's not too serious. Uh, it uh, doesn't have anything really heavy. You know, it's just kind of one of those like fun, fluffy, light, um, romantic comedies. And you know, I just think it's it's very timeless. I think you could remake, not that I, I'm not a huge fan of remakes, you guys know that, but you could easily, the storyline is very timeless. You could easily redo it today. Um, mm-hmm. Not make it a musical, but just make it, you know, yeah. like its own Philadelphia story today and have some of the top stars in it. And I think it would be, you know, equally as entertaining. It's just, it's it's that classic, um, yeah, I don't know, it's just very classic. I think there's a lot of movies that, that there aren't straight, they're kind of like backdoor remakes of yeah. this movie where they take a lot of the tropes mm-hmm. from like mm-hmm. the, a wet, uh, Brianna Baby has a wedding that's the next day. There's mm-hmm. That's a big trope. <laughs> well, like you think about Father of the Bride. Yeah, you know, It's exactly. like the same thing. I mean, there are so many elements from this movie that you're right yeah. that, that get kind of recycled. And what does that say? That means they did something really right with exactly. the Philadelphia yeah, story, you know. Um, but I think it's an important film, you know, for our just our general film mm-hmm. history. And, mm-hmm. and um, 
It's iconic. It's definitely a movie that I love watching. Mm -hmm. Makes me feel good. You know, I laugh. I have fun. Um, It's kind of frivolous. But um, it has three of my favorite people that I really enjoy watching. Yeah. So how can you not like it? I mean, is it the greatest movie of all time? No, maybe not. Well, but according to the AFI, it's the 50th greatest movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's number 50. Exactly. Exactly. I think it Halfway is what, there, it, so. you know, it is what it is. But but the fact that they've already remade it and not too far after it originally came out, you know, yeah, in the early 50s. Like 16 years later. Yeah. You know, I mean, what are those things that, that speaks to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to take those things into consideration. But... Um, you know, and I maybe I'm a little bit more lenient, you know, than than Amanda or other people with some of the some of the issues because I I take into consideration that it is of its time, but um, I try not to let that hold me back from um, from what it is. But I, I love I love Catherine Hepburn. I mean, I'd watch mm. her. I always, you know, joke with my comedy and I'm like, one of the things I want to do is like have Catherine Hepburn like teach a yoga class. Like <laughs> I just, I could, lo- I could watch her full clothes. I mean, I could just be around her and watch mm-hmm. her do anything. Oh, so. oh holy shit, I would. I'd watch her. <laughs> I know. I just, I love her. And Cary Grant is. There's like a video and I can't remember if it was Barbara Walters or somebody else, but it was just like her, or her. Yes, I have seen that. Folding clothes. That's what made me think of it. And she's like doing stuff like that and she's like mm-hmm. riding around on a golf cart on her mm-hmm. property when she's yeah. like, oh, oh my God, it's amazing. Exactly. Like I want to be friends you know with Catherine Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart and I want to you know love Cary Grant forever <laughs> so I mean I and like I said this role oh yeah I'd love to be friends with Tracy, all of them. <laughs> but like I said Tracy Lord that character this whole story if yeah. you will is like when I first saw it I was like that would be my dream role like that would mm-hmm. be ideal I, I just and I, I love everything about it um, and I think it does paint, paint women in a very powerful light you know I mean she she's in control of her destiny, of her future. She obviously divorced Dexter because it, it wasn't working uh-huh. and maybe it was a harmful or abusive marriage, you know, and, and then went on to find happiness with somebody else. And she's very much in control of her life. And I have a great amount of respect for women who are independent. Um, but, but at this point in time, you know, to have a movie that featured a woman of that kind of strength and magnitude was rare. And it was a true reflection of who Katherine Hepburn was. Wow. And is, or you know, and uh, so I, I, I kind of consider all those things too when I think about the Philadelphia story. It's almost like if you, this like her Wikipedia picture is probably from this period of time. I bet it is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because actors now, all their Wikipedia pictures are from like Comic Con 2011. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because actors now, I mean, all they yeah, do is yeah. star in, you know, superhero movies. We don't, <laughs> they don't make movies like this anymore. Not, they're not the big no. like, budget movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 1941 is, is there a studio for publicity? Yeah, photo. yeah, oh, that's wow. it. It's mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is Catherine Hepburn in the epitome, Catherine Hepburn, and um, yeah. I mean, I just can't say enough things about the movie that I love. I just love it. I agree with you. I I I I, I completely acknowledge the things we discussed previously, and I would say, like on that topic, Catherine Hepburn pushed through as progressive as much as anybody could back mm-hmm. then. Although she would still fight find resistance, that's what hurt her career was mm-hmm. was sexism, you know. And she still pushed through that. That's what I love about that. When I read mm-hmm. these stories, she's a very aspirational figure. She's really relevant now. I think a lot of people need to go back and study Catherine Hepburn's life and career in this climate and, and oh, yeah. just, yeah. just see how she lived her life. Cause I, mm-hmm. I don't think 
that's as well known nowadays as it used to be, you know, because she's, she's been dead for what about? Well, years. you know, you think about this, okay? And I and I compare my two Hepburns. This movie came out in 1940. Sabrina came out in 1954. Sabrina's fate was chosen for her. They bought that, but that they bought that boat ticket, and she was back out mm-hmm. on the boat. Tracy Lord chose her path. Yeah, she did. There's a, something to be said, you know. Catherine Hepburn always does that. It's always like that's what I mean. Shoot. Yeah, you're that's right. That's what there's, I mean. And how can you that. not like? I have so much admiration for Catherine Hepburn, and it's funny, you know, because the older I get, and and it kind of brought a smile to my eye when you said you saw a lot of Tracy Lord in me. That mm-hmm. makes me. That's a compliment to me. Oh, it um, is. And I, and I, I like I uh, when I see movies with Catherine Hepburn, it's like I there are parts that I'm watching. I'm just like, wow, like I admire her so much. And, and I think if I'm could be like that, or, you know, I just, I see kind of parts of myself and, and, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I grew up watching her. You know, I think she's influenced me mm-hmm. and uh, I think you're right. I think more women, people maybe could do themselves a favor, you know, to go back and, and learn about her and read the bios like I did and listen to the interviews and things like that. I mean, it's just so fascinating, but this movie, I think, is so personal to Katherine Hepburn as, I don't know, I, I can't think of a good comparison off the top of my head, that something else, like, like, like All About Eve was to Betty Davis. Yeah. It's such a personal um, comeback. It's such mm-hmm. a personal movie, and it's victorious, and, and it, um, it's magical in that way. And mm-hmm. I, one thing I think none of us mentioned, like the play that this was based on was specifically written as a vehicle for, for Catherine yes. Hepburn. I'd love to have a writer that talented writing something specifically right? for me as a performer. I mean, that's that's awesome. I, I think there's Catherine's like, I'm going to come back. Yeah. And it's like, you're oh, going yeah. you're, you're to like me. Yes, and yeah. I'm going to do it my way. Exactly. It's like, I just, I, you know, I guess. I'm going to so use Howard Hughes money <laughs> to do it. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I, I love yeah. her even more. It's very uh, empowering. Yeah. The whole story of the Philadelphia story is, you know, the background of it is just really empowering. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she was the lead in this. She was the lead. This was her movie. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to say, too, on a side note, everybody impersonates Catherine Hepburn. That's probably how she's best known, probably mm-hmm. the younger audiences, but everybody impersonates her from On Golden Pond. That's what they do. They do that, I, I, you know, the shaky mm-hmm. kind of... But she still had a shake in this movie, too. It's 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 It was her... It was just her, the way that, you know... Um, the, uh, oh my goodness! Her, her just her dialect that that transatlantic, mm-hmm. you know, um, accent that was trained and taught. But she even did kind of have like even the way she spoke in this movie was a little. It's not as shaky. I mean, as it was later when she. No, um, but but there's like, but there is a cadence about it that is so unique as Cary Grant and as Jimmy Stewart. I mean, these are the three people that are most impersonated for their voices. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Think about it, like mm-hmm. you know the Judy and John Wayne. We yeah. probably put yeah, there yeah. Too, throw John know. Wayne in there. <laughs> and James. Cagney. Exactly. Nobody yeah. impersonates Audrey Hepburn's voice. No. They just no. impersonate her style. They want to yeah. look like her. Right. You know, Catherine Hepburn, though, and Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant, they're all personalities. Mm-hmm. Although you do Audrey doing a Cockney accent. <laughs> God is obsessed with my Eliza Doolittle. I love it. Yes, I can do a Cockney oh. accent. As, um, as Audrey Hepburn. As my impersonation of Audrey Hepburn doing it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I really enjoy this movie. I think it, it's a perfect, like, I would say Singing in the Rain is the perfect gateway to people to get into classic films from the golden age. Like, that's, that's mm. a great starting point. Maybe Casablanca would be another one. And those are probably two of the best movies ever made. Yep. And that's top Godfather ten. was another one I think we of. Well, done well, the Cas- Godfather is post. This is, that's New Hollywood. Scott, stuff. we still need Casablanca. <laughs> 
Um, we still need to no, do Casablanca no. on the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah, we do. We're going to record a whole podcast yeah. of all the things we should be doing. <laughs> so everybody's thank aware. you. Thank you. We can stay we organized. Will, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep them together. <laughs> I can write you a list of things I'd love to hear you guys talk uh, right, about. Right, right, yeah. We can get requests, too. Um, but uh, I, I think... This definitely deserves to be on the AFI list, I think. This is a such a oh, yeah. great, quintessential, classic Hollywood movie. And it's right up there with the movies we've mentioned, like His Girl Friday. And uh, it's probably like the perfect way to get you into like sc- not even screwball comedy, comedy. but romantic, romantic comedy. Yeah, it, it, from that time period. Yeah, yeah it's the best. Like, um, I would say that the 40s and 50s, in a lot of ways, from, the cr- from a, a standpoint of craft... Oh did a much better job with what we know as a rom-com nowadays than we do in the modern age because they really put a lot of thought into the dialogue, into the characters and the relationship back then. When you see yeah. modern rom-coms, that's probably the hardest genre I think to work in too as a writer because there's so many tropes you have to admit. Yeah. Meet cute. Mm-hmm. Some weird hijinks ensue. They've got to, there's got to be some kind of element of deception. Yeah. Somebody gets mad at someone. You know, exactly. How about yeah. just have two people meet <laughs> <laughs> and develop a relationship? Why don't we just do that? But that's, it's like, or they've yeah. already met. And, and right. Annie yeah. Hall was a great groundbreaker as far as getting away from so many tropes with that. Oh, Woody Allen didn't follow tropes for sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> not good. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it's, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I. He's just obsessed with himself. I have some feelings about Woody Allen. Yeah, no, no, that's good. I'm glad you yeah. do. I'm glad you yeah. do. Um, um, sorry, Stephen. But uh, what well, Harry with <laughs> Sally, I think, was is, is a good modern rom com. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. To me, that's to me like the quintessential rom com is when Harry met Sally. But yeah. for, uh, particularly, I think of the last like. 30, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, love actually. No, <laughs> I just wanted to say that. That's dumb. <laughs> actually, love actually. <laughs> That's the There's a stand-up right there. That's the stand-up routine. I love that movie, too. So. Okay. Is that a rom-com oh or is it a Christmas movie? I mean, okay. yeah. So I usually end the podcast. It's a Christmas-com. <laughs> Christmas-com. So I usually end the podcast uh, by saying that the best place to watch these movies outside of a theater is on Blu-ray. And I'm angry at myself because I did not know that the Philadelphia story does have a Blu-ray release, and we have Ooh. the Criterion Crack the host here. This is a Criterion edition of the Philadelphia story. It yes. came out a couple years ago. And I'm angry that I did not know about this, and I did not purchase it right away. So I'm going to have to correct that and remedy that situation quickly. Well, you can give me your old copy. Oh, I when can. I will give you my DVD copy. It's it's in good condition. It has a great cover, too. It's an old vintage the, cover. Yeah, I know exactly the one. Yeah, the that, yellow and the red. Oh, and, great. You know, I would also just like to say, I feel like that Sabrina, my cat, is the personality of Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> just yes. lounging around. Well, she's and named after another Hepburn character. <laughs> Maybe her name should be Tracy Sabrina or something. Sabrina like that. Tracy. <laughs> Sabrina <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Sabrina Lord. There you go. I you created a brand new character. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Aww. Amanda for being on the podcast yeah. this Thanks week. Thanks for having yes. me. Thank yes. you. Yes. As usual. Uh, do you have anything to plug? I think you have uh, quite a few yeah, ventures. Yeah, sure. So Sean's mentioned a couple of my podcasts, Amanda, Amanda's Picture Show, A Go-Go, which Tony, Sean, and Scott have all been on before. And uh, so that's my main movie podcast. And then uh, Criterion Crack, where I'm going through the Criterion Collection with my buddy Liam, who lives in England. And uh, we're going through that in Spine Is it Liam Gallagher? (laughs) (laughs) Different. If you're doing a Criterion podcast with Liam Gallagher, I... (laughs) 
<laughs> Nobody's going to understand it. <laughs> I would I would I would pay you money <laughs> to be a, to, uh, holy to, shit. That would be amazing. He's the asshole one. I'd rather Yes, yes. yes I like yeah. Noel better too. Yeah. He's but cute Liam, too. Noel would be funny. I don't know. Yeah. But this yeah. Liam Gallagher. You can invite Noel on. I don't want Liam Gallagher on. I, I bet you Liam Gallagher would say <laughs> that this podcast is junk food podcast. <laughs> oh my god. Joan of Arc is shit. <laughs> I can only imagine Liam Gallagher critiquing Criterion Collection movies. Oh that's my god. Right. It's a, that's not a fucking He doesn't listen because Noel always like yells at him for not being cultured in any way, but it's funny. <laughs> um, I also have the Mafia Minute uh, with Stephen Woosley, who's been on this show. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I are going through Mafia movies one minute at a time. We're currently working on The Godfather. Uh, I recently started a food podcast because who am I? Um, and it's called Pod Appetit, a Bon Appetit fan cast. So if you're a fan of the Bon Appetit YouTube videos, check that out. Um, oh, that's right. I, I don't where, know. I'm not familiar. Well, yeah, I'm not familiar. They're with... brilliant, and they just like they just make you feel like lovely and like de-stress if you like you watch the. Bon Are the Appetit. recipes easy? Well, they're not our recipes. Like we're attempting the Bon Appetit recipes so it depends on the recipe like some are easy some are complicated i'm the non-cook in the group but (laughs) it's uh friends from across the world that we're talking about that and then occasionally i do (laughs) culture papagogo with my mom and sisters which sean has been one of our guests and he was made an honorary sister i was yeah when we did the Golden Globes, I came on and and uh, I learned a lot. Actually, I, I felt more cultured. Coming you out should of add. Oh, you should add me on your award shows. That we you can add me as like the fashion. Oh, uh, that could. I am the fashion consultant who comments on all the whenever fashion. I'm like, Mom, did you see this dress? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So yeah. Yeah, you and Emily that. Turner would be the. <laughs> but yeah. yeah oh, I love Emily's posts. Yeah, Emily. I always look forward to them. Yeah, they, she's <laughs> she. she She's been on the podcast, mm-hmm. but she and she does it in a way that's not demeaning to the people. No. Like she's just yeah, commenting yeah. on a dress. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, that's uh I'll have to yeah, I'll have to get Tony on next year as a red carpet correspondent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. yeah. Uh if you didn't notice, I'm obsessed with awards like the Academy Awards and stuff. So you can you can find all of my podcasting things that I do though on my website, which is amandaagogo.com. Awesome. Where does Jimmy Stewart winning the Academy Award for this rank among award winners for you as far as... Like... I think it's pretty good. Like, I know he said that he thought he won because he didn't win for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington mm-hmm. the year before, but mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy his performance in this. Mm-hmm. Who won in 39 for Best Actor? Let me double Was check. it Clark Gable? I thought it... No, I don't think he won. Might be Henry Fonda, maybe? Hold on. I'm, maybe not. I have it pulled up. Because, of course, I do. Um, well, Vivian Lee won in yeah, 1939 Vivian Lee won for, for Scarlet, yeah. and that Actress. is well-deserved. That may not even be her best performance, by the way. I know, yeah. but, I mean, that was, de- that was like I her mean, that's breakthrough. The, that's the, yeah, that was the epitome of She had Vivian to win Lee. on that, because oh, oh so goodness. many people were up for that, that award. That, the, come, could you imagine Catherine Hepburn? <laughs> that would be funny. We talked about it, but it's like. Oh, Can you imagine Catherine Hepburn having like a Kanye moment? <laughs> Frank, no. Frankly, Scar, I don't give a damn. No. I don't give a damn either. No, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, her like going up there and being like, yeah. "Jimmy should have won." Victor right. you know? <laughs> Fleming, you're no George Cooper. That's what they're uh, Robert Donat or Donat, I'm not sure. For Goodbye, Mr. Chips won Best Actor over Clark Gable. Who else was nominated? 
Lawrence Olivier for okay. Weathering Heights, yes. Mickey Rooney for Babes in Arms, and Jimmy Stewart for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. He, Jimmy should have won. You just named like five of some of the mo- yeah. most monumental performances. Oh no, no, no! In no. I know. Who were the women? Yeah. What were the women categories? Right. For for that year, for yeah. 1939. Yeah. Um, it was Vivian Lee who won for Gone with the yes. Wind. Betty Davis was nominated for Dark Victory. Mm-hmm. Irene Dunn for Love Affair. Greta Garbo for Nanachka and Greer Garson for Goodbye, Mr. Chips. You know what the glaring omission for Best Actress in 1939 is? I hope everybody can automatically figure that. Judy, Judy Garland. Garland. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Oh, my she, God. That's, that, that retroactively, yeah. retroactively it yeah. might be. Yeah. And Wizard of Oz, was, was that in for Best Picture? Um... I know it didn't win. Gone with the Wind did, but I'm just curious if it was even nominated. It should have been. It was nominated okay, for Best Picture. Okay, definitely should have been nominated Which, for I Best Which, I mean, Picture. I know the movie we talked about today is 1940, but 1939 is often considered one of the best oh, years yes. absolutely. in cinema absolutely. ever. And this year, 2019, we're having like a big year of anniversary years because 1999 is also an excellent mm-hmm. year yes. for cinema. That's another one. The well, modern age. What yes. came out in 99? Uh, Magnolia, Bing, Bing John Malkovich, uh... People talented like Mr. Club, Ripley. Uh, oh, talented Mr. Ripley. The Matrix. No, Shakespeare in oh, no, Love. Drop Shakespeare? Dead Gorgeous. I love Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> Allison Janney is the best in that. Three Kings. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that movie is. I actually own it. It I is so just phenomenal. Good movies. <laughs> Have you have you seen Drop Dead Gorgeous? Yes, Scott. I mean, you amazing. Wa- we watched it one time because I was so excited. It was the consistently good movie. Oh, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> Kirstie uh, Alley. It's so funny. But yeah. I mean, then 1939. I like, you know, we mentioned. Yeah, yeah I like that. That was American Pie came out in '99. So did American Beauty. I remember the American Pie uh, uh, Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. American Pie. You're considering that as contention? No, but I mean, it's like one of those movies that from '99 that like. Holds up, if you will, or it had a big impact. A yeah. big impact, I would agree. Yes. I don't yeah. like yeah. those movies, but. No, but I mean, it was like one of those turning It's no Caddyshack, let's put like, it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, to... it was very influential. It, on that's what I mean. Things. Yeah. I yeah. love 89's my year Batman, uh, Indiana Jones. And Last Crusade. And Last Crusade. All these sequels. <laughs> do, the, do the right thing. <laughs> do the right thing. Um, my favorite, if we're, since we're on the topic, since we're going on, uh, two of my favorite years. One is 1976. That's the year the Taxi Driver Network and uh, uh, Rocky were all nominated for Best Picture, and I love oh, all yeah. those movies. We talked about that when you came yeah. on for Taxi Driver on my yeah. show, and it's just like, it's amazing. Right. It's amazing. And I'm going to say this. I know people knock Rocky. If you go and watch the original Rocky, it's awesome. Seen it. uh, we'll have to see it together some of these I, days. I was going to message you. Which that. is shot in <laughs> Philadelphia. 1980. That's <laughs> the Philadelphia. Uh, Rocky is a Philadelphia story. Yeah, it, it is. It I'm going to go is. with 1980 as another great year for film. Uh, Raging Bull. Raging Bull, The Shining. Uh, I'm sensing a theme here. The yeah. Empire Strikes Back uh, came out. That Airplane, Caddyshack. Oh, Airplane comedies. is so good. Uh, here's a, here's my favorite bit of trivia that I just learned a couple years ago. The Empire Strikes Back and The Shining opened the same weekend. What did what? better, Empire Strikes Back? Well, Empire Strikes yeah. Back, yeah. They yeah, I've only seen scene. one of those. Yeah. Is that like... <laughs> yes, I understand why. <laughs> yeah, Wasn't uh, Ghostbusters and Gremlins open up the they, same yeah, weekend? I say that's, Which uh, did better, Ghostbusters? Oh, Ghostbusters. But, but Gremlins, both. Was, but Gremlins are good. It's oh, no, amazing. I know. I just was curious. Like, No, no, that's uh, a great question. Yeah. But it's you amazing. Know, I sent some anti-Gremlins five. I got nothing against Gizmo, okay? Calm down We won't stand for that. I'll tolerate a lot of things, and we started knocking Gremlins. All I said is that Ghostbusters 
Ghostbusters I could see doing better oh, at the box office is. than Grand You don't know, Sabrina, when you feed her after midnight, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so I'm gonna you say. know what else came out You don't day? know what's going to happen when you feed me after midnight. I know, that's another. I know, that could be another. After midnight's bad. <laughs> I, although, uh, Scott, when, speaking from experience. <laughs> when does after midnight stop? It's <laughs> a good point. Don't bring logic into <laughs> gremlins. It's going to fall you, apart. When the sun yeah, oh. it's, uh, yeah then speaking it's like of that, I have, a, I have a plug. I'm going to be on the Gremlins podcast live next really? Saturday. That's yeah. a perfect segue. I have a plug, too. Oh. It's about strong women. Oh, there you oh. go. So I will be a part of an all-female sketch, improv, stand-up, storytelling show on Friday, August 23rd at um, Upfront, which is at Shadowbox Live. And um, I'm super excited. I'll be in a few sketches and uh, bringing back a, a fan-favorite character, so you'll have to come out and check it out. Show starts at 8. Tickets are $7. You can get them online or at the door. Oh. And, uh, yeah. What I love about you, Tony, is that you <laughs> you name huh? your character's fan favorite. <laughs> this is a fan favorite. I know. I love it. I love it. But that's, that's what I love about it. It's like, just go are for it. Are you making fun of my modesty? Yes, I am. <laughs> There's a what you really want to say, Scott. No, there's a character on a podcast until you, you learn empathy. No, no, no. <laughs> it's oh amazing. my goodness! Hey, You're awesome. No, it is a fan favorite. I'm just I, saying it I was what, it was a very like and, and yes. people really like this character. That's why I'm bringing it back. No, I I say it with all love. It is a fan favorite. But <laughs> <laughs> Scott is not allowed to see this. Show. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I would just say no. This. See it. I see it. Dude, you are totally on bragging on me today. I did not no. deserve this. You're blacklisting me, and I don't like it. Don't I'm going to buy the rights to. <laughs> You're going to buy the rights to this podcast. <laughs> yes, I will. Because my name's not even in the podcast. I say you. That's cinema, a whole other cinema story. Sacco. Come on, I say you boycott his Gremlins podcast. I think yeah. Cinema, yeah. cinema Sacco sounds a little bit cinema better Sacco. than Wheeler Tay, don't you think? Uh, yeah, we should do an episode of Cinema Sacco. It does sound better than Cinema Wheeler Tay. Yeah, we could change. Cinema Wheeler Tay is really pretentious, actually. Yeah, and you name. I know I did. Well, I am pretentious. That's what, <laughs> That's what everyone says when they talk about Scott Wheeler. Yeah, yeah. I can't even get it out straight. No, this, People, is, this might be the last. The first thing that comes to mind is pretension. So this is the last episode of Similar Wheeler. Okay, it's now going to be Simpsonico. I'll work on the artwork tonight. It is more illiterate. Uh, like I know. It's this just, is like the end of the M- yeah. MCU, where the Avengers are transitioning over we to should, a new era. Yeah, the next episode we should totally start it with me instead of you. Welcome yes. back to another episode of Formerly. This is the podcast formerly known as. But you know what would Cinema happen? Though? We would get <laughs> listeners. So that's. <laughs> you would get listeners. Then we'd be judged. <laughs> we don't want that. We, want we need a new. Uh, we need a new image. A yeah, new, we do. We do. You can make a. I hope this second. all makes the cut too. By the way. Though. Oh, I don't cut anything. This no, that's is the great thing about this. This could go two hours of just us talking I'm just about watching this. So yeah. I'm just yeah. Over here in the corner. <laughs> so we, I, I'm gonna wrap this up because at some point it probably. Has to yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I'd like to say thank you all for listening. Thank you again for Amanda coming on, and to my two lovely co-hosts. I call my brother lovely, and that's that's all right. That's and, sexist, immortal. It is. Uh, not to. My brother Scott, and of course the great Tony Sacco, <laughs> fan favorite. Oh, I'm great, uh, not the Tracy lovely. Lord of, of Columbus podcasts. <laughs> and don't you forget it. <laughs> fan favorite Tony Sacco. <laughs> thank you very much, everybody. They are we'll, so mean to me. No, we'll see. We'll resolve this eventually. So. <laughs> And thank you very much, and we'll see you all next time. Or sorry, not see you, but hear you. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>
Well, I, I was trying to stop drinking. I read anything. And did you stop drink, drinking? Yes. Your book didn't do it, though. Are you still in love with her? Or perhaps you consider that a very personal question. Not at all. Liz thinks you are. Liz thinks you are. But of course, women like to romanticize about things. Yes, they do, don't they? Yes, they do, don't they? I don't know. I, I can't understand how you can have been married to her and still know so little about her. Can't you? No, I can't you. <laughs> I have the hiccups. I wonder if I might have another drink. Certainly. Not in the upper class. No, 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 thank you. You're just a mass of prejudices, aren't you? You're so much thought and so little feeling, Professor. Well, I am, am I? Yes, you am, are you? Your intolerance infuriates me. I should think that of all people, a writer would need tolerance. The fact is, you'll never, you can't be a first-rate writer or a first-rate human being until you've learned to have some small regard for human friends. Aren't the geraniums pretty, Professor? Is it not a handsome day that begins, Professor?